or looking suitably like Anglicans, frozen and chosen. You know, the Bible is full of music. It's full of music from the beginning to the end. And read through the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It's just chock-a-block through music, hymns of praise and peons of glory going out. And this doesn't surprise me very much because music is a gift from God. If you read through the Psalms particularly, you have to be aware that many of them are songs, not just poems. Because they've got little descriptions above them, like, to the director of worship in the temple. So you know, this is, this is a song. And Psalm 139 is a good example of this. Problem is, as you're reading through a psalm such as 139, you, you get the lyrics, but you don't know what the melody is or the tempo. So we have to supply the melody and we have to supply the tempo for ourselves. We can either sing it slowly in a minor key, as a dirge or lament and a woe is me. Or we can sing it in a major key, brightly and full of praise and adoration. The choice is ours. I'm going to take you through Psalm 139 this morning. I'm not going to put the words up on the screen. I'm going to read them to you because I want you to not look at them. I want you to hear them and think about them and let them come into your very soul and spirit because they are a song. I'm not going to try and dissect them. I'm not going to give you what the Hebrew words mean and the theological definitions. I'm not going to do that this morning. I want you to hear it as a song. And relate it as a song. And ask yourself the question, how are you singing this song? In a minor key? Or in a major key? It starts, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4, read as follows. The song goes, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit, and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. The sad lament version of that goes as follows. O Lord, you know me. You know all my faults. I know you can see everything that I do that's wrong. Oh, dear, 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 dear. And I'm not very happy about that, Lord, because I surely am convinced that you are not very happy with me. The praise song version in a major key would read, Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm just amazed that you know me so well. You know, I don't even know myself, Lord. But you know me like nobody knows me. And I'm so very glad of this. Start asking yourself the question, what are you singing in as you read a psalm like this? The minor key or the major? (coughs) Verses 5 and 6 continue. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The lament reads, Oh God, you've trapped me. You're in front of me, and I turn around and run away, and you're behind me. And not only have you trapped me, but you have raised your hand, and I know what's what's coming. 
the praise version is so different. Oh God, you've gone before me and you're even behind me and your hand of blessing is upon me. I don't understand, but it's just too wonderful for me. The key to this whole psalm, in my opinion, are these words, you have laid your hand upon me. Now, the whole sentiment of the psalm, as you will clearly see as we go through it, is not, you have raised your hand to strike me. It's not, you are laying hands on me with force. It's, you have laid your hands upon me like, like a father to a child, like a husband to a wife when he holds the side of her face, like a master musician picking up his treasured instrument to play. You have laid your hand upon me. When, when I read these words, I hear it as that master musician because this is a song. So in the context of the song, Jesus, the master craftsman and the maestro musician, is taking me up in his hands to play the music of heaven, not through me, but with me. And that is too wonderful to, come, to think about. That this creator, this, this, this one who, who has made me and made us, loves and cherishes us and takes us in his hands to play a life song with us and in us and through us. Now I must ask the question, I'm going to pause just for just a moment. How do you understand these words? Think a little. Form your response to the Holy Spirit on that. How do you understand these words? Those of you who know me well know that since retiring about 17 months ago, I've been devoting a lot of time and effort and money to music, guitar playing and guitar building, and enjoying myself. Now, for guys like me, we are subject to an affliction. It's a condition that's called gas. No? <laughs> and it has nothing to do with age. Gas stands for Guitar Acquisition Syndrome. Guitar acquisition syndrome. It works like this. You see, I've actually given away four guitars, and I still have four guitars. That's called gas maths. The more, the more you give, the more you get. Gas maths. But I confess, I, I love playing those instruments, and I love polishing them, and I love tweaking them. And when they don't sound absolutely perfect, then I change them until... They sound worse. And, <laughs> and then I keep changing them until they do sound better. And I care for them and I maintain them and I restring them and I improve them and so on and so forth. You know what? If there was room in my bed, I would... Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> I don't think I'd go that far. I want to introduce my guitars to you so you can share some of my wonder at, at these wonderful instruments. The first one, can pop it up. It's a 1970 Yairi, and that was um, crafted 
many, many years ago, 47 years ago, in the forested area in the center of Japan, and then imported into South Africa. I bought that when I was 30 years of age, that particular guitar. Uh, she sings very sweetly. She's got a lovely voice. But she's quite difficult to play, and that's why I call her she. <laughs> 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 my, my, second <laughs> my second guitar is a baby. It's, uh, it was only bought in 2014. It was made in about that time as well. That's a Yamaha. And the um, different woods, etc. Nice guitar. Some of you have seen it now. The benefit of that is it plays very easily and it plugs into electric. So I can play it in the music group from time to time and so on. The third one is the one that I built myself in 2015. And uh, I can say nothing more than it's my favorite. What can I say? <laughs> this one gets extra polishing. I'm going to introduce the fourth instrument to you and use it as a visual aid for applying the song. And that's why I'm putting up all these on the screen so you get the context of what I want to say in a moment. But I want to continue now before I do wax too lyrical about the guitars, I want to go back to Psalm 139. Pick it up again from verses 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea... Even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even darkness will not be dark to you. And the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Again, that minor key. Oh, I just can't hide from you, Lord. Woe is me. No matter where I go, you'll find me. But the way it's supposed to be, son, is, Lord, there is nowhere I could go in this life that you would not be with me and that your hand will not guide me and that you will not comfort me and uplift me, polish me up, mend me, help me to sing a song of glory. And then the song continues with probably the words that we're most familiar with out of the song. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Even the most committed lamenter at this point has to start smiling. If you were confused about the sentiment of the psalm up to this point, now you have to realize this is a song of praise. There's no lament here in this. Psalm 138 is this beautiful song of David, who was a musician, singing to God and saying, Oh Lord, you're my maker and my musician. 
You're the master craftsman and the great maestro. You create me and make me and you play me. You are God. And this is so wonderful to me. Verses 19 to 22 appear to be misplaced because they are a cry of anguish. Suddenly David cries out. And what he's basically saying is this. He's saying, Lord, although your glory has been displayed, although you are obviously so good, yet there are still those who hate you. And he reacts to that in the song. And he's basically saying, and Lord, if they hate you, I hate them. So although it seems like a little harsh interjection into the psalm, that's what it's coming from. It's coming from such a passionate heart, which is saying, Lord, I love you so much, I can't understand why those guys are treating you like this. You are God and you are wonderful. And then it ends with these beautiful words. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to repeat this. Close your eyes and just listen because these are worth making our prayer on an almost daily basis. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now to continue this musical theme, and the reason why I put up those guitars just now, is I want to introduce me to you to the, to the fourth and latest member of the guitar family in the Pepler household. And I bought it a couple of months ago. So here was the idea. I looked on the internet for the cheapest new guitar, classical guitar, I could find. I wanted the most cheap and nasty one that I could get. And the reason was is I wanted to use the skills that I'd learned a year ago down in Georgia in guitar building. I wanted to see, can I make this sound better, look better, and play better without replacing any major parts and without spending any money on it? That was the challenge, you see. Now, it looks all right. I've called it the $50 beta guitar because it cost me $50. And the word beta is because in the United States, guitarists often have what they call a beta guitar. You see, if you take a handmade guitar and put it in the boot of your car and leave it there for two hours, you won't have a guitar left in two hours' time. All the glue will melt. It will fall apart. Just a bunch of planks. So when guitarists travel or they go to a braai or whatever it is, they take a beater guitar with them. That doesn't mean... It means you can beat it. You can throw it around. they terribly robust. It doesn't matter. And if it gets damaged, you just say, ah, it was only $50. So they call them beta guitars. And when you look at it, it looks okay. Until you start looking closer. The strings were rusted. The frets were tarnished and standing so sharp and high off that fretboard that they were about to slice those strings into little shreds. The bridge is the first bridge I've ever seen made out of plastic, not even wood, plastic, and bolted on with two whacking big screws. That little white bit you see there is called the saddle. It's supposed to be made out of bone. This one is made out of the cheapest, sharpest, clumsiest, roughest piece of plastic I've ever seen. So high that the strings were standing away, proud from the body, making it almost unplayable. It was covered in a, a sort of an oxblood red gunk. 
I don't know what it was. It was like a plasticized varnish. And it was there to try and cover over all the imperfections. You can't quite see here, but they didn't do a great job. They left little blemishes all over the place. Um, I can spot them from here, but you might not see them. Little holes and little white spots. They just didn't even cover it correctly. So I set about the task of cleaning this up and making it look and play and sound better. But I want to apply it before its renovations to our lives. You see, some of us come into this world with um, major imperfections. We just do. I I was one of them. I came in with a faulty colon that nearly (coughs) took my life when I was 10 months old. If it wasn't for an intervention of God, miraculous intervention, I, I would have definitely died. I was born like that. Some of us are born with these imperfections. Uh, others of us just get beaten up by life, right? You know, the things that happen, the things that come upon us, the, the circumstances, and sometimes our own bad choices and our own bad attitudes. And we get, we get really beaten up like a dinged guitar full of scratches and furrows. And we get messed up. But all of us, when we are born again of the Spirit, when Jesus breathes his new life into us, then from that moment on we are in the hands of the master craftsman and the maestro musician. And no matter where we start or how battered we have become, he can and does transform us. He really does. We might never be performers at a great concert. We may never be guitars that are played by the great players of this world. But we will be better, sound better, look better, and play better because we will be in the hands and are in the hands of the master craftsman and the maestro musician. The process that I took this beta guitar is just a, a tiny little example and a faded example of what God does with us. But it is an example. So I started by stripping all that gunk off. And boy, I had to take real strong paint stripper to it eventually. And I take it all off bit by bit by bit until the true wood, the wood that it was actually built from, was revealed. Not a great wood. Surprise, 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 as all the gunk came off, that they were trying to cover up this wood. As I sanded it and sanded it and took it down, right down to the finest sandpaper, it started to shine and glow. And its own beauty came through. And it started to look really good. And I started to look at this thing and say, this is probably the worst wood that you could build a guitar from. But look at it. I'm amazed. I filed down those frets one by one. I replaced the strings with reconditioned strings. I didn't buy new ones. I just took a set of one of my good guitars. And I reconditioned them. Made them sing again. Gave them a new life and strung this beta guitar with them. I lowered that saddle. Filed it off, smoothed it, reshaped it. Ground it down until the action came down and down and down and down until the guitar started to become really playable. 
It had a rosette on it. That's the thing around the sound hole. But of course it was a cheap rosette that was actually just a transfer, transparent transfer that they had just pressed on with an iron. And when I scraped the gunk off, I scraped that off as well. So my daughter and I sat down and we took some rare Brazilian rosewood veneer that I had from building my guitar 12 months ago. And we crafted a new rosette onto it. And put it into place and glued it and, and set it in place. And it started to look pretty. Really pretty. And then I varnished it. I varnished it with a thin, clear varnish. And I gave it a few coats of that until it shone. And it started to sound so, so nice. So I'm going to do the big reveal. Here it is. Ta-da! That's the same guitar. That wood will never be great. You know, it's actually three-ply basswood. It is the most acoustically dead wood you can find. They use it for putting on walls of sound studios to deaden the sound. They couldn't have found a worse wood, but it was cheap. But I'm, maybe I'm just biased, but when I look at that, I say, I like that wood. I love it. And here's the funny thing. That guitar sounds good. It really sounds good. So here's the thing. I'm not a master craftsman. That's for sure. And I'm not a maestro musician. And that's equally for sure. Can you imagine then what Jesus does with our lives? Who is the master craftsman? And who is the master musician? This is just a tiny little example in a, in a practical sense. But he takes our lives and he transforms them. We have no reason to sing a lament. The words, woe is me, shouldn't even be in our vocabulary. We have every reason to sing a song of praise and thanks and adoration. For we are in the hands of the master. I want somebody else to have that guitar, actually. I want to give it away. You see, when, um, well, one of the reasons is because the only cure for gas is, you know, you've got to give the stuff away. You know, otherwise you acquire yet another and yet another and yet another. But I do want to give it away. I want to give it away to somebody who will um, treasure it and polish it and tweak it and play it and learn to make wonderful music on it. And who will remember that it was a piece of rubbish that has become quite a fine little instrument. If you or anybody else is interested in receiving this, by the way, all you have to do is log on to my website, which is on the notes section of your handouts this morning at the top there. It's www.truthistheword.com. And you'll see I've done a post with a, of this guitar with a picture. All you have to do is do a comment telling me why you should be the proud recipient. And then uh, one person will get it for free, without any strings attached. Might even throw in. <laughs> oh, you guys, I bet you when I say that to the 10 o'clock, I'll pass right over the head. <laughs> but you guys are shop. <laughs> Jesus gave us life for free, you see. I'm trying to continue the analogy right through to the end. 
without strings and without condition. He gave us free spiritual life. To those who receive him, he gives life. And then having given us life, he works with us and transforms us. And no matter what the condition of our lives, whether we come into this world with these imperfections or we get battered, he makes us better, he really does. Because we become more like him and he is the personification of all that is good and perfect. He lays his hand upon us. He takes us up in his hands to play a tune of glory with us and in us and through us. There's a famous poem called The Touch of the Master's Hand. Have you, have you heard it? I found a musical version of it. I found somebody singing it. So I want to play that. I want you to hear that and listen to the words. The words come up on the screen as well so you can follow, them along, follow along with them. And then I want to, um, the music group will come up as, as that's showing, and then we'll have a time of worship, and I want to pray with you folk. And, and just offer if there's anyone here at all today, you feel you've been singing in the wrong key. Yeah, you know, you, you, you're saying, Lord, it's time for me to stop singing in A minor. E minor. I'm going to start singing in a major key. And please, Lord. I just want to surrender again to your hand. Then please just come and allow people to pray with you. And it's, it's wonderfully symbolic even to, to come and to just yield and say, be representatives of that maestro, that master for me this morning. Lay your hands on me. Pray with me that my tune will start to soar, no matter what the conditions and the circumstances of my life. Let's play that.
so, so grateful that when you breathed your life into us, you didn't just leave us there. But your hand is upon our lives. No matter what our circumstances, no, no matter what our condition, no matter how battered we are or feel, we are in your hands. And you are good and loving. You are the master. You are the maestro. 
pray, Lord, that for anyone here this morning who has come to the realization that the song that they sing is so most often in a minor key, that, Lord, you would reach out with that same hand, touch their lives this morning, and they can start to sing a song of praise. A song of praise that rises above their circumstances, above their pain, above their worries, above their realities, soars before your face in glory in heaven. As we worship you now as a people, Lord, allow us to be instruments in your hand. That even our singing this morning can start to take on that timber of these wonderful instruments that you've created in us.